ready. Perfect. All right. So you are listening to the episode number 242, I think it is, or three, I forget, of the Starring School podcast. I'm Daniela Rossi. You can call me Danny. Recording to you from a very sunny Toronto, Canada on the 17th of February 2020, but the content today will be timeless. So not sure why I gave it the date. And in any case, joining me from an equally sunny New Jersey, I guess, in the States. It's pretty sunny. Yeah? Okay. Is finally someone who I wanted to have on my uh, show for a very long time. Speech-language pathologist, professor at Monmouth University, stuttering researcher, at maker, rock star, fellow podcaster, I think, and clownician. Is there anything you don't do? <laughs> you know, I'm not so good at cooking. I just can't do it. I'm more of like a put the pizza in the microwave and press uh, about 60 seconds. That's that's as good as I get. <laughs> you know, you know what? That, that works. And if it's the app maker. So before uh, we get into the topic, which is about being a, something what you call a clownician, um, uh, anything you want to say about yourself that I haven't mentioned? <laughs> Yeah, nothing really comes to my mind except for the fact that I'm very happy to be here. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. So, you know, it's a pleasure to be here, Daniele. Thanks so much for the invitation, man. Thank you. And your podcast, you have an SOP trivia quiz podcast. Is it still existing? Because you haven't had a new episode. Not that I'm outing you here, but... uh, Sure, sure. Such a high-speed, I mean, high-energy... Yeah, go ahead. I... I absolutely love podcasts and I love the microphone. And sometimes my wife and I, we will make, we'll ask each other questions like, what if our professions just like disappeared and you had to pick a new profession? And always the question mm. that I respond with, or excuse me, the answer I get or I give is that I would love to be a game show host. <laughs> so I started this podcast. It's called SLP Trivia Fun. And it's my take on if I could create a game show that revolves around just questions that revolve around speech pathology. Um, it's a fun podcast. I haven't done an episode in over a year though, because there's a lot of post-production, you know, about post-production is tricky. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these episodes, they were about um, 25 to 30 minutes. And I think when I look at the data, it would take me about 15 to 20 hours worth of work wow. to get that done. So there's eight episodes. If anyone's interested, (laughs) slptriviafun.com. I can totally picture you being a game show host. It's so funny. And your apps, your apps that you created. That's really interesting. Yeah, I love technology. I think technology can really open the door to a lot of excitement and motivation, especially when we work together with children. So I'm lucky enough I'm lucky enough in the sense that I was exposed to computers from a younger age and I know a little bit about coding and design and audio work. All that stuff really comes together to create an app because it's got to look good. It's got to sound good. And I create a bunch of apps that have to do with speech therapy. So it's a lot of fun. You created them yourself? You coded them yourself? Yeah. Right now, my friend and I are wow. doing a lot of this stuff together. And I'll be honest with you, I do less and less as <laughs> I get more and more busy. But uh-huh. certainly in the beginning years of back in the day, 2011, 12, mm. 13, I was, I was kind of, uh, yeah, exploring those things. And it's a joy. It's like, a, it's another language, you know, messing around with yeah. 
wacky zany code and turning it into some sort of finished product that is able to be downloaded. And all and all those apps are uh, speech therapy apps. They are, yeah. yeah. So the genre of apps would be articulation or sometimes referred to as speech sound disorders. Mm. So the children that can't say certain sounds like they can't say the R sound, maybe they say wabbits instead of rabbits. So putting together different digital experiences for them to practice some of those words and sentences alongside their clinician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. And speaking of which, that's this is how I found out all about this whole clownation thing. It's actually in Iceland, your uh, workshop speech session keynote in at the Iceland Congress last year. And it was so engaging. I mean, you are very engaging when you're in front of the mic. Uh, you really got the audience involved, but really talking about how to engage child, uh, ch uh, child, child, uh, children, uh, children, uh, cl clients. So I was hoping, yeah, you got to come on and talk all about um, using humor in the speech room. Yeah, sure. So, so I pretty much word. the microphone is yours. You can own the rest of the of the uh, episodes. <laughs> awesome, man. So I love that word clownition. And I want to make it very clear full disclosure i didn't come up with that word mm. that was the word that was come up with uh, that was a word that was come that has been come blah. that is a word <laughs> that has been Having created trouble by, with articulation <laughs> absolutely so clownition was created by a colleague friend of mine her name is kim sanzo and if you want to check her out on Instagram, her her tag on there is Kim Sanzo SLP. And she's the first person that I saw to put this into text. And I remember the moment I first saw it, it said something like clownician, a clinician who is like more than willing to be a complete goofball, wacky, zany person in order to like help a student build a particular skill. And to me, that's such a beautiful thing because, you know, when when clinicians work together with children who might struggle at times to communicate, they might feel sometimes that their voice doesn't work. And they might feel sometimes that perhaps it's better to be seen and not heard. Oh. And I, I take that, I take that very seriously, that idea of being a clownation, because what I want them to do is first and foremost, recognize that, they have a voice and their voice needs to be shared with individuals. And sometimes in order to really build that rapport and to start to build what we like to sometimes call the therapeutic alliance, <laughs> I, put my, I put myself out there and I, I do wacky and zany things in an effort to get them to laugh. And laughter, in my opinion, is like that first willing noise to kind of show a person that you're willing to give them a shot. You're willing to mm. kind of try out what it is that you've kind of put on the table. And I think like as an educator, like if you don't have laughter, you really don't have a solid foundation for things to be placed on top of. So I, I take the idea of laughter very serious. And I know laughter can be very subjective. So I'm very mindful of making sure that I'm not a comedian in the sense that I'm insulting anyone or uh -huh. I'm hurting feelings, but I definitely put myself out there first in an order to get my clients to laugh. And 
one of the ways I love putting myself out there is in digital ways. So I love using technology and apps in particular to sometimes manipulate pictures and manipulate faces. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and there's just so many apps out there, right, Danielle? Like Snapchat and Instagram, right? You can press a button and now you have a dog tongue coming out of your mouth or or kitty ears or so or a so poop forth. head. <laughs> you can have a big old pile of smelly poop on top of your head, right? And sometimes <laughs> speech you know, therapy when, was never that fun when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Although I did fun. get stress, I I did get scratch and sniff stickers though, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I think in 2020 we need to meet the youth where they are. Yeah. And let's say I'm working with a sixth grader. And this is the first time I'm working with a sixth grader. There's a high likelihood that the child has been coming to speech since maybe kindergarten, first grade, second grade. So there's been a lot of years that the person's been, for lack of a better word, uh, doing the dance, right? Mm. So we got to freshen it up. We got to make things exciting. So I'm all about kind of showing some of these apps. And first and foremost, always doing it on myself making my face look really wacky, zany in an attempt for them to laugh and maybe in an attempt for them to say, Hey, how'd you do that? Or oh, wow. perhaps we can try it on me. And that's starting the conversation of what I think can eventually become a very robust conversation about talking. Wow. That, that is smart. <laughs> yeah. So I work a lot with children who stutter and we know that stuttering is a very complex communication difficulty. Um, stuttering is so much more than just a speech disorder. So yes, there's the behaviors. So the ones that we can hear would be the repetitions or the prolongations, the blocks. Uh, sometimes we can see the stuttering if there are secondary behaviors mm -hmm. such as the, the eye closures or the head jerks. But people like you and I know there's that iceberg aspect, right? So there's the under the surface stuff that we don't necessarily see, right? So below the surface might be perhaps for some children, shame, maybe fear, maybe anxiety that maybe all revolve around their perceived inability to successfully communicate. So I've really been doubling down and, and thinking about humor in a way to help my students to begin the conversation of, hey, you know, how does it feel when you stutter? Or, you know, what do you, what do you think to yourself during those moments of stuttering? Because I think as a clinician, if we kind of just come at a child who's in seventh grade and we're like, Hey dude, how does stuttering make you feel? <laughs> they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, uh, it makes me feel fine. Whatever. I don't, uh, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way not, kids are. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just uh, not what's the cool. way. Fine. <laughs> yeah sorry one sorry. word answers if yeah. we're lucky one word answers yeah. right <laughs> yeah so one of the ways that for some children not all but for some children i like to maybe open the door to a conversation about thoughts and feelings is maybe i'll take a picture of myself with one of the apps and i'll make my face look like an alien and then i'll kind of show it to the person and more often than not the person starts laughing like oh wow huh, that's funny ah, <laughs> that's silly lol yeah right and then maybe I'll say, hey, you try. And then they'll say, okay. So then they'll take a picture of themselves. And then maybe I'll put in a question like, hey, how would you feel 
if you randomly saw like this alien walking around outside, like, well, what comes to your mind? And they start to maybe say things like, oh man, I'd be pretty nervous because uh, I don't know what the alien would do. Or, oh, I'd feel uh, pretty surprised because it's not every day you see a green skinned, big eyed uh, alien from another, another planet walking around, right? <laughs> so we hone in on those emotions, right? We hone in on the surprised or, you know, we hone in on um, scared, right? Mm. And we start talking about those things. And we're not even talking about stuttering yet or communicating yet, but we're starting the process to talk about feelings. And then maybe not in that session, maybe in the next session, or maybe even in that session, I might say, hmm, I'm wondering, those emotions that you just mentioned, perhaps they might connect in some way with how you might feel with regard to how you communicate. And I've noticed that my kiddos, they're, they're kind of receptive to it. And they're like, yeah, actually sometimes stuttering does surprise me. And that's not surprising because stuttering has been described as a variable communication mm -hmm. difficulty. So we started talking about the surprise emotion of seeing the alien, but then somehow we get to how stuttering might surprise us. And then from there, that allows us to maybe do the work that we do as clinicians to recognize how thoughts and feelings really deserve to be discussed in the like multi-dynamic work we should be doing with our clients. I've said this before and I said, and I'll say this again on my show. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah, man. <laughs> it's one of those where I'm like, I have nothing to add or to say, like, just wow. That's it's a very clever way of getting of like breaking the ice, you know, getting uh, just you know, anyway. I mean, even uh, even adults, like, it's hard for us to share our feelings. Wow, and you came up with that. That's well, awesome. So or I don't want to say like, yeah. right. I don't want to say like I'm like the smartest person in the world by any means, right? <laughs> but I am a clinician who really believes in evidence base. And yeah, looking at those before me that have kind of started thinking about ideas, right? So in education, so proper education in the world of like K through 12th grade, there's a lot of people talking about um, humor and using humor appropriately and how that very well does put students at ease. It shows them that the teacher is human uh, humor has been found to like increase student levels of comfort. Hmm. There's a lot of research out there that shows humor is able to decrease students' anxiety and increase their retention of like knowledge in general. So because I'm aware of that bit of research, I can take some of those ideas and infuse it into the more, into the more like speechy world. Um, there isn't, a massive amount of data that touches on speech therapy and humor. There is, there are some instances for sure. Um, some of them have to do with individuals who are adults who have suffered a stroke and clinicians utilizing humor in an appropriate way to, con to connect with those clients. Mm. So I mentioned all that to say that I take that evidence base and I absolutely pull from it in an effort to push uh, the field in a, in a forward moving way. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what you're doing. That's that's where my wow came from. That's part of my wow. <laughs> now that I was saying, humor is a is a, is a very much a connector. It brings people together. It brings people in. It really engages. That's 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 part of the fun of like my book, like the Frankie Banky comics that I make. For example, I get to make fun of stuttering. I get to make light of you know the different situations, you know the good and the bad. And it's a way to connect with others that stutter too to say, oh yeah, I went through that too. That's the kind of stuff. So so it's great to see that happen in the uh, therapy room too. Yeah. And full disclosure, I am not a person who stutters. So what I like to speak to my students about is I want you to teach me a little bit about stuttering. And when I kind of come to my students in a very open-armed way, more than likely they're willing to kind of take a step and share something with me. And oftentimes what I find is they don't really love using the word stutter. Wow. Sometimes, yeah, they'll kind of like walk around it. They'll say, I, you know, sometimes my voice gets caught. Um, you know, sometimes my words are just like sticky. And, you know, these are sixth, seventh graders. I mean, certainly... I would hope that they heard the word stuttering before in some capacity before they started working with me. But really what I think humor allows us to do is it allows us to talk about stuttering. And in time, we can kind of maybe redefine what stuttering means to us. Mm. And we can maybe rewrite the narrative in our minds. So in your comics, how you mentioned now, you know, sometimes you will poke fun at stuttering, right? I think that's a beautiful thing that I try to get my students to whenever they're ready. I mean, it's a journey, right? We don't expect any person to go through the journey at the same speed, but ultimately I would love for them to be able to see how stuttering can have different layers, I suppose. Hmm. Sure, sometimes stuttering can, can, feel this way, but maybe sometimes stuttering can, can feel a different way. So giving them permission to kind of recognize the variability in stuttering that goes beyond the variability of, oh, sometimes it's here and sometimes it's not. It can take on different faces. And it's kind of empowering when a student has the, the ability to kind of see that and start to live it in a way that maybe they're creating a comic about their own stuttering or something along those lines. That is profound. I could tol- I can totally steal that and put that in my cartooning workshops. <laughs> <For stuttering. laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, this is this came from Eric. <laughs> say that. Oh, oh yeah, wow. Did you ever have a time when uh that new client did not laugh, did not, you know, gave you that, you know, deadpan you know, there, you know, you put yourself out there, you turn yourself into an alien. Do, did, has, has that ever happened? Yeah, of course. Eee. I'm, I'm yes. You know what? I'm actually surprised. But I'll tell you why I even asked the question in the first place. Because two years ago, I was giving my cartooning workshop at the NSA conference. And right at the beginning, right off the bat, hi, kids, up comes this hand from one of the kids. She, she looked like she was probably 10, 11 
And I go, oh, well, that was fast. And, she, and so I said, yes. She goes, can you please stop talking so we can start drawing? <laughs> and I was like, what do I do? <laughs> That's the power of so, art. I love that. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, she's on her way from age 10 to CEO. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah. So I was curious. I wonder if, the, if, if, if you've ever had a non-responsive child to uh, For yeah, sure. Hume or... Yeah. So sometimes, so I, I do a lot of private work, right? So students are kind of coming to me after school, right? They've been going to school from, you know, depending how their school's laid out nine in the morning until what, three o'clock or something. And then (laughs) they're taking time out away. They're taking time away from their video games or they're taking time out of hanging out with their friends, homework, right? So sometimes you'll have a a student where you could tell they came, (laughs) they physically came, but... Against their will. (laughs) Yeah. Their mind is not yet ready. And Mm. to those students, I say, that's fine. That's fine. Because we, we, as I think caring human beings, we never want to, I think, so, so therapy is a very, I think, honest experience. And we want to never tarnish the, the way that therapy can be. Mm. So, I like to come at all of my students in a, in a very honest way. And I like to get to their level and I say, so what are the things you wish you were doing right now? It's like being right here. And like, we'll take out a piece of paper That's and I'm like, write it down, dude, write it down. And I'm like, you know what? That font, that's too small. I want you to write even bigger font. You want to be playing Minecraft right now with your friends. Let's, let's do it real big. And then we start like drawing this list and we just go from one to two to three to four to five to six. And then before you know it, we're at 10 big things, right? And a beautiful thing happens. The kiddo goes from not wanting to talk to me to now talking <laughs> with me. Not only is he talking with me, but he's honestly sharing with me, right? So now I know the kiddo loves Minecraft. Now I know the kiddo loves this kind of movie. Now oh, I wow. know the kiddo likes, um, you know, this particular sport. So as a clinician, I am taking all that knowledge, putting it in my brain, and I'm trying to kind of maybe improvise some of that in the work we do either in that moment or certainly in session two. You better believe it that instant capacity. (laughs) You're playing Minecraft. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's something I'm thinking about. Really? How can we use video games in some capacity to allow conversation to be robust Ah. and to kind of maybe break down some of the barriers at times with some of our high school age students who stutter. Oh, mind blown. Wow. Yeah. I got to steal but yes, that. <laughs> so I guess right there, my man, that's like, that's, that's humor, right? So we started listing yeah. up to 10 different things he would rather be Dude. doing than being here. And I'm agreeing. I'm like, bro, Fortnite, Minecraft, I hear you. That's great stuff. What do you like about it? So we're building that beautiful relationship in that moment. And then you throw on, so how does stirring make you feel? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's fascinating. It's, I, I've learned so much from my wonderful middle schoolers and high, schools who, high schoolers who stutter. And uh, it's, it's a real blessing to be able to kind of be their collaborator, right? So a lot of times people use words like, oh, I'm the client, or excuse me, I'm the clinician, you're the client. And I get it for like 
insurance purposes, like, yes. Um, <laughs> insurance purposes. Right. But like, <laughs> I really do believe that any yeah. person in front of me, like, they are my collaborator and like, they bring stuff to the table and like, I bring stuff to the table. And when our powers combine, like, that's when the good stuff happens. So I think when I meet some of those children that aren't necessarily on board at first, I think in time they come to see that I really do value their words and I want them to share as much as they possibly can with me because I'm seeking knowledge in a very real way. It is true though, because it is a collaborative, it is a collaboration because it's not, I really have to choose my words very carefully here. Um, it's too much. There's too much of that idea of, and I fell into this trap when I, when I was a kid, um, speech therapy is going to make me stop stuttering forever. I never have to um, try to not stutter. Like I just thought it was, it's going to just like, it's going to make my stuttering dis disappear. Um, it is a collaborative effort because it's what do you want person that stutters? Like, what is it that you want? Do you want fluency? Do you want to address your feelings? Like, like, yeah, it is a collaboration. So you're totally there. You could totally, you could totally rewrite the King's speech right there. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's, that's really what that movie, I mean, not that that's, you know, uh, something to base, you know, speech therapy on, but, uh, like it really brings me back to that scene where Lionel Logue, the SOP, was saying, um, uh, "You know, we're here to work together, not for me to, you know, teach you mechanics or whatever it was that they, that he called it." Wow. Yeah. And sometimes, from like a clinician's point of view, we give these tests, we give these assessments, right? Mm -hmm. And when we score the assessments, the assessments essentially tell us, "Oh, this is what." you should be working on because this is kind of what comes up with some like red flags like working on your s's or your p's or plus like things like that or your breathing or totally yeah. so from okay. like a speech sound perspective if they can't mm -hmm. say a certain sound then certainly the test is saying perhaps you should think about that mm. so i think one of the most important things that clinicians can do in in the world of stuttering and beyond the world of stuttering is to ask that question to the client what do you want to work on by any chance? Is there something that comes to your mind? And I recognize that if I say that to a middle schooler, there is a chance that they're going to say nothing. I don't want to work <laughs> on anything. But I think when we ask that question, A, we're letting them know that that's something to consider, that you are a part of this experience. Mm. Uh, B, we, we value your words and we want to hear perhaps what's in, what's on your mind, but also I think see it, I think really lays a foundation for a great life skill in that you can be an advocate for yourself mm. and it doesn't necessarily matter how old you are. You can really start to call the shots in some capacity and, that's why it feels important for me to always ask my clients, in addition to the tests and the assessments that I'll do as a speech language pathologist, I'll straight up ask them, so what do you think we should be working on? Is there anything that comes to your mind? How how do you balance that with the parents' expectations? Because I always imagine, um, you know, SOPs are between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> in, I mean, in general, right? That idea of my kid just started stuttering, what should I do? And all that. Do you sure. ever uh, experience that? 
So with the work that I do, I usually work with children that are about eight, nine, 10 and up who stutter. So the way that we would do therapy with that particular age range is a lot different with regard oh. to the way we would do therapy with our, our three, four-year-olds, right? Oh, okay. So across the board, I think it's important for clinicians to have open discussions with the parents and to try to teach the parents as much as they can. And when I mean teach the parents, I want them to understand what is stuttering, um, how does stuttering present itself, um, what are some of the um, red flags and green flags, if you will. So the younger population, there is an aspect of spontaneous recovery that might happen. Mm -hmm. So to kind of make them aware so that everyone's on the same page as to what it is that we're all discussing. And I think that when you, when you lead in a way that actively shares with the parents, regardless of how, how old the child is, whether it's a high schooler or a preschooler, I think the parents are more willing to kind of quote unquote, give it a try because the, the rapport is there and the, the trust essentially is starting to, I think, um, solidify. Hmm. Wow. Would you like to talk a little bit about the apps that you have in the uh, app stores? Oh, for sure. So there's this one app that I made. <laughs> it came out last year in May. And it's just like, it's, it's a lot of fun. And you know, you're a creator, you know, so you and I know that when we when we create something, it brings us such joy in our hearts mm. to, to finally see it in front of us. So this one app, it's called Your Face Learning. Oh, it's an I remember and, that. It's an app that I've been dreaming about quite literally for about no exaggeration, about 10 years in some capacity. Wow. And it was about three-ish, two and a half-ish years in the making. And what this app does is what you do is you take a picture of the child and it automatically puts the child's face into one of over 500 different early learning worksheets. So for example, if the child is working on, this is a preschool child, mm -hmm. let's say they're working on you know, writing their letter A, there's a lot of worksheets that a child would work on in preschool where there's like, you know, the letter A and there's the dots and they follow the dots. But with your face learning, it creates a cartoon scene where the child's face is actually on that worksheet and they're able to do some of that practice in such an individualized way. And the, the eyeballs are so big when I use these worksheets with the child because they see <laughs> themselves in the actual material. They're just like, oh my goodness, how did this happen? I, this is awesome and like they want to work on it and uh, in my experience kids love coloring and i know yeah uh, i don't think coloring books are going away i mean i know we're living in a digital world but children just there's something beautiful that happens when you put markers in a child's hand and paper in front of them they just some of them really do take to it in a very meaningful oh. way yeah oh wow yeah so yourfacelearning.com check it out if you're into it guys <laughs> Actually, is there a central place where where listeners can uh, find out about all of your apps? Oh, totally. Yeah, it would be my name. So it's ericxraj.com. So it's Eric with a K. My mom was a little fancy. Not Eric with a C, Eric with a K. Ericxraj, R-A-J.com. 
<laughs> I think I do own Eric with a C, though. Oh, smart. The domain, yeah. I think I do. There was one time I, this is completely off topic, side note. I made a promo for my book, I think it was, or the, or the Frankie Banky awareness buttons, stirring awareness buttons. And I realized after I made, like maybe a day after I posted it, I realized I misspelled my website. So I had to quickly register that domain, <laughs> the mistake, right. and the do the redirect. <laughs> redirect. I'm like, crap. There it goes, man. There it goes. That's a $20 mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, man. Yeah, but Amazing. I love I love URLs. I own uh, many, many URLs. Me it's, too. A, yeah. it's a fun little it's collection. It's a hobby of mine. <laughs> <laughs> What's what's the funniest one that you have that you want to share (laughs) my most favorite one that i have is so you know the idea of binge watching something Mm -hmm. you know good old netflix right so i own binge listen.com oh for pot for podcasting i mean isn't that like a really cool like i do that i do that i actually i actually don't really i actually don't watch tv because I have I really don't either. way too many podcasts, and they're all over an hour. And I f- and I feel hypocritical because my podcasts are about an hour, and then right, I go, right. "Why is this another hour?" <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. I got a lot of ideas. I would love to turn that URL into mm. something, but uh, I don't have a lot of time. Yeah, I know. But one day, hours in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything, That's my favorite one. <laughs> anything else you'd like to share with listeners, future S- SOPs, fellow S- fellow SOPs, or even parents who may be listening? Sure, sure. I think from an SLP's perspective, um, I want to remind them that the learning is never done. You know, just mm. because you've graduated with your degree and you know you're out there, you're doing the thing you need to make sure that you carve out time in an effort to learn new things and to grow. I think that sometimes that is a hard thing because life gets busy and, you know, you you don't have time to go to the, to the, to the conference or, you know, you just, you can find that you can find different ways to kind of let it be known that, uh, Oh, you don't have time, but (laughs) If you can try because you're to, busy binge listening, <laughs> no, yeah, binge listening. You know, I can't go to the concert. I got to the conference. I got to be listening yeah. to the Stuttering School podcast all day. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> but um, you know that right there. I mean, that is a very legitimate way of of learning. So if you can't physically go somewhere to kind of obtain the knowledge, there's great podcasts out there. Yours being one of them. Consume those things. Listen to them and learn a little bit more because you never know what nugget of knowledge you can kind of take and directly infuse into the great work that you do for your clients. So hands down, that's a plug for you. And um, <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, for parents, I think uh, one thing I would say to parents uh, is to recognize that you really are a part of this experience. And sometimes I think parents are very overwhelmed and one of the first things that I as a clinician want them to know is that I value their perspective. Um, I welcome their perspective. Um, and ultimately I want them to know that they didn't do anything wrong in some capacity. Yeah. Sometimes parents think they did something and that's why they're bringing their child to you because their child is in their opinion, like not operating at the way they should be. Um, I remind my parents, no, the fact that you're bringing your child to me, it shows that you're in tune with perhaps what might be happening. And that's such a great uh, first step. So 
um, you know, I commend my parents and I, I give them high fives and I say, you know, let's work together. Let's figure it out. You and me were on the team, but also it's a triangle. The child is also part of the team. So there's the client, there's the parent, and there's the, uh, the clinician. And it's a, it's a wonderful, I think, collaboration. So those are the two things I'd love to, to share with your, your terrific audience. Nice. Thank you very much. Do you have time for some SLP trivia fun of my own? Yes. Let's do this. This is great, man. Are you ready for question one? <laughs> yes, you bet. <laughs> okay, what is a glottal stop? Is it A, a subway station in New York, B, a subway station in Toronto, C, a chain of charging stations in, uh, for electric cars in New Jersey, or D, some something related to speech? Hmm. I'm happy that there's some New Jersey in there. New Jersey represents... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with, it is something related to speech. Yes. That's my final answer. You're right. <laughs> Sweet, man. Okay, ready for question two. Yes. What is the speech machine? Is it A, Alexa, B, Siri, C, OK, Google, go to stutteringschool.com, or D, Something SOPs teach their new clients. Hmm. I'm going to go with D. It's something SOPs teach their new clients. You got to learn about those, the speech machine, the speech helpers, the larynx, the diaphragm, the lungs. Good old lungs, you know? <laughs> we need those <laughs> lungs. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I don't know why I'm thanking you. That's right. You're right. Yes, thank you for solid. being right. Great. <laughs> Okay, ready for question number three. This one's a bit tricky. So you got to put that PhD to use and use now. Okay. <laughs> Ouch, that didn't, that didn't come out the way that I meant to. I, I did not mean the way that meant. <laughs> I mean, clearly you're putting your PhD to use. So, uh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, okay, foot and mouth disease. What is a vocal fry? Is it A, a chicken fry dish? B, a heat wave in Arizona? That's such a bad joke. C. Oh, I can't read my writing again. <laughs> That's one. See, they say that stuttering can ruin a joke, but so can bad handwriting and notes. Sounds like a great mic for an SLP. Oh, a great name for an SLP band. There we go. Yeah. This was my uh, Eric joke. Sorry about that. I wonder if I should do read. Do this again. Never mind. See, yeah, we do it. See, this is why I don't produce the SOP trivia pod podcast. Now I'll just continue. Or okay. is it B something related to speech? Uh, I love A. A is a good one because uh, I think that was the food one, right? Fries. The chicken fried dish. Chicken fries. You guys got that in Canada? You got the good old Burger King chicken fries? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we got lots of deep fry stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nice man. Uh, I'm gonna go with D though. It is something yeah. to do with speech. Yeah. <laughs> And last but not least, enunciation. The word enunciation is used interchangeably with A, nuptials, B, Fortnite, C, Minecraft, or D, articulation. Mm, really Difficult. nice. I like how you made those sounds. That was beautiful. Thank I'm going to go with articulation. <laughs> You're right. Nice. And you, and you get a bonus 1,000 points for dealing with my very bad act these days. Great. And I'm going to 
I'm going to hand in those thousand points for 1000 starting school books. Oh, thank ooh, you. Nice. Oh, wait, I'm going to have to give it to you for free. Oh, <laughs> yep. oh, well, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Nice. Thank you for playing and thank you for coming on. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people here that would love to connect with you. Maybe ask follow-up questions. Uh, I guess your website is the place to be for them to sure. contact you. Totally, yeah. EricXRaj.com. Hit me up on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on there. And uh, let's chit-chat, you know? Let, let's talk about talking. We got <laughs> we got some beautiful voices, so let's uh, let's chat. Thank you very much for coming on. You're welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I am definitely sticking with the comics. So that was my fun interview with Eric's X Raj, who can be reached at ericsxraj.com. And that's Eric with a K. I'll have links in the show notes uh, to all the links that we mentioned on this episode. Just, you'll find them over at stutteringschool.com. Just look for this podcast and there you go. This episode has been brought to you by my book, Stuttering is Cool, A Guide to Stuttering in a Fast-Talking World. I share my experiences with stuttering and tips on how to live the life that you want in spite of stuttering. It's a book full of humor, and it also contains my comics starring Frankie Banky, the fox that adorns the podcast art of this podcast. Uh, he's a fox who stutters. In fact, if you go over to stutteringiscool.com, you'll see a bunch of Frankie Banky comics. Um, fun fact about my book, many SOPs use my book in therapy sessions as well as purchase copies, giveaway copies uh, to use as end of therapy gifts to their clients. Um, another fun fact, it's also a book that is currently used as a textbook or required reading in SOP programs in now 10 universities across North America. Uh, never, never imagined it would reach, it would even be used as a textbook. Never mind. <laughs> so welcome the 10th University, uh, Baylor University. Go Bears! <laughs> Details on how to purchase copies along with uh, Frankie Banky merchandise, such as the starting awareness pins that Eric and I uh, talked about. All that, all those details can be found, of course, at stutteringiscool.com. I'd like to hear from you. Record up to five minutes of audio. You can use a voice memo app on your smartphone to share what's on your mind or your thoughts on what was discussed on this episode and email it to me at coolstutter at gmail.com and I'll play it on my next episode. And if you haven't already, consider subscribing to the Stuttering School podcast. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and everywhere else where you get your podcasts. Well, until next time, keep clowning around. <laughs> Ciao.